Welcome to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRM. To join the conversation, call 508-871-7000. Now, here's your host, Mark Altman. Welcome to I Communicate. I am your guest host today, the daughter of Mark Altman, Kyra Altman. Your normal host, Mark Altman, is taking a well-earned and much-needed vacation, so I will be filling in today. I Communicate is about providing guidance on communication challenges relating to professional, personal, and generational relationships. We coach emotionally intelligent communication that bridges communication gaps in the workplace between leaders, teams, and individuals by helping people build confidence, overcome their fears, and advocate for what they need and want. Today, we will be focused on giving you tips, tools, and templates to communicate effectively and meaningfully with virtual teams in a remote or hybrid workplace. Again, my name is Kyra. I'm the CEO and president of Lead Inc., a mental health and diversity, equity, and inclusion training, consulting, and coaching nonprofit organization. And in my time at Lead, I've had the pleasure of working and collaborating with Shauna Rosenzweig multiple times our guest for today's show, and the wonderful Chief Strategy Officer of Camp Fire. If you would like to call into the show to ask questions or to share your thoughts, please call 508-871-7000. So Shauna, welcome to the show, and please let's start off by learning a little bit about you, how you got here in your career, and your role as Chief Strategy Officer in how it relates to managing a virtual team. Thanks, Kyra thrilled to be here with you today. Um, so yeah, as you mentioned, I'm Shauna Rosenberg. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer at Campfire. Uh, so Campfire is a youth development organization. Um, our mission is to connect uh, young people to the outdoors, to others, and to themselves. And I've had the pleasure of working for Campfire um, in a remote uh, role for the past nine years. And um, for the past three years, I have been Chief Strategy Officer of the National Headquarters Office. Um, you know, at, at my core, I am a youth development professional. So I have spent my career uh, really building an ecosystem for young people to feel supported, um, whether they're learning, uh, leading, or just thriving. Um, and in, as Chief Strategy Officer over the past three years, I, I've really had the opportunity to apply those same conditions to our staff uh, to think about how with the remote work culture, uh, what does our team need to learn, lead, and thrive and to feel successful uh, in each of their professional endeavors? So that has been kind of the summary of my role uh, with Campfire. Incredible. And so in the last decade of your time at Campfire, how have you seen communication in a remote setting change or adapt to the times that we're in today? Yeah, so it certainly has evolved. I mean, in some ways, we were, I think, pre-pandemic, already uh, used to having some members of our team be remote. So I'd say about 40% of our team is remote, uh, maybe a little more. And and that number has only grown over time. And, and then uh, during the pandemic, obviously, more of our team has, has become remote uh, during that time. And, you know, what I've really seen changes a collective commitment among our team to building connection and belonging, and that really being a 
core of the foundation for our communication um, as a team. That's awesome. And that really leads us into our next question as well, which is how do how do remote communications and hybrid workplaces really shape that sense of inclusion and belonging or impact interpersonal relationships at work? And underlying this question is also this question of, is there a threat or an opportunity or a little bit of both when it comes to our society shifting more toward that remote workplace setting? Great question. So I kind of go back to the the research that tells us, right, that connection and belonging, when an individual feels that, they're more likely to be resilient. Mm -hmm. And so using that as kind of a core thread through thinking about our workplace culture and our communication, I think it's really turned out to be true. I mean, reflecting on the, the past two years, you know, kind of during the great resignation, we have not lost a member of our team. Uh, which has been, you know, a real blessing. Mm-hmm. And I think it also speaks to the intentionality and the commitment on each and every one of our parts to work really hard at communicating. And it hasn't always been easy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think it's created, I would say, opportunities for us to think about what are our shared priorities, interests, attitudes, and how can we bring those together to create a strong bond among a team that is willing to have tough conversations with each other, that, you know, is willing to give hard feedback. Um, but again, I think really a, a shared commitment on the part of the team. And, you know, in some ways, right, with everyone going remote, you know, everyone's had an opportunity to, you know, in some ways kind of experience the roles that, you know, some of their colleagues have been in for, for many more years. So that, you know, created opportunities both for those who had previously been remote to be supporting those who were new to working remote. And then also for those that hadn't been remote to now experience what that what it's like to work in a remote setting. So I think it, you know, to your question, it creates an opportunity for both, both an opportunity and a challenge. I think it creates a more uh you need to be more intentional about how you're communicating because it's always easy to default to email. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's often as email is often much harder, right, to uh, to effectively communicate with as a tool. So I think you bring up so many great points, and I also want to just pause to acknowledge the fact that you haven't, nobody has left Campfire. I mean, that's huge, especially in this time of the Great Resignation. That speaks volumes for I think the culture that you've built. So when it comes to using that language and giving feedback or trying to build resilience, what are some examples of specific phrases or language that you use to foster that resilience, that belonging and inclusion at work, thinking about everyday situations that might come up? So we lead with our norms and our values. So we spent time as a team really collectively trying to define separate from our organizational values, for us as a team, like as a group of individuals, what are the norms and values that guide us? And so we are able to identify five core values that we feel both represent who we are, but also who we want to be as a team. And those are respect, compassion, integrity, honesty, and then trust and collaboration. And so when we meet as a team, that's the first thing we all see. You know, so that's the first slide on the screen. That's the first thing shared by whoever's facilitating. 
And it's an opportunity both to reflect on those norms and values, but also to to call out and to celebrate ways that we have seen those values come to life since the last time we met. Um, and also to think about and share which of those values we really like this conversation, we really want to emphasize honesty or we really want to emphasize compassion. Uh, so again, I think it's given us a shared language and a core set of beliefs that we all feel bought into mm-hmm. to, to tie back with. Another one kind of in the moment is we use oops and ouch as a form of feedback. Uh, so if someone says something that they then reflect on and they're like, that was hurtful. It's an opportunity to, in the moment, uh, you know, whether it's on Zoom or on the phone, either, you know, say, oops, like, I messed up. You know, let me rephrase that. Or, you know, maybe it's even throwing it in the chat on Zoom uh, after as you've had a moment to reflect. And then also, again, if someone says something uh, that, you know, their intent and its impact differ, it's an opportunity to say, ouch, like that didn't land right. The impact of that on me uh, may be different than what its intent was. And we've seen that happen in the moment, but we've also seen that happen after, you know, where uh, one person calls up another person and says like, hey, that was an ouch moment for me. But again, having that shared language has been really helpful uh, to bring a different level of honesty and communication to the team. Wow. Well, you're bringing us so many nuggets of wisdom and knowledge here. And I want to focus in a little bit on the values and the shared values that you use to guide conversations. Has there ever been a time when this hasn't worked in a way that you wanted it to? And what are some best practices on centering those values, even when a conversation might get a little bit stickier or messier within the workplace? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing when it comes to communication that I always try to keep in mind is that there, there is no, like, secret sauce, right? There will be no perfect communication. And so we're going to have hard conversations and we're going to mess up. But there's, I think, an opportunity for all of us, you know, and I think especially for myself and my colleagues that are in leadership roles, that we need to be modeling that vulnerability with our team. And we need to be okay with messing up and, and knowing that we will. And that's where the opportunity for humility and building upon that relationship of trust and belonging and connection is that you know, we know our team's got our back, right? Like, I'm going to say something hurtful at some point. Do I want to? No, of course not. But I have a team that I know, like, I can say, like, yeah, I messed that up. Please forgive me. Let's move yeah. forward together and help me be better. Amazing. Uh, so, yeah. I think Thank you so much, Shauna. Um, so I'm Kyra Altman. We will be right back after this break, and we will continue diving into what mistake-making looks like in the workplace, especially when working with virtual and hybrid teams. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. I'm Kyra Altman, and I am back with Shauna Rosenzweig. So, Shauna, welcome back to iCommunicate. Before we went on that break, we were talking about mistake-making in the workplace, specifically in a hybrid workplace. 
I think what's so unique here is that in a hybrid or a remote workplace setting, it's very easy to make a mistake or cause that ouch that we were just talking about and then just move on with your life because you're not seeing this person next to you at the office. You're not having lunch with them. You're not having that interpersonal in-person connection. So with that in mind, if mistakes do happen in the workplace, what are some best practices that you can share around communicating that apology as well as the follow-up that needs to happen to break that um, discomfort or that awkwardness in the aftermath? Great question. So I think it, it happens on two levels. So the first is the individual level. And part of that is, I think, knowing someone's preferred method of communication. And so that could be, you know, does that person appreciate touching base over the phone? Does that person prefer to touch base via a text message? Is it an email? So again, I think knowing someone's effective communication types and what their preference is, is creating an opportunity to approach that apology um, in a way that they are feeling both comfortable with and prepared for, right? That the call out of the blue can, can feel very unnerving. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other piece also, again, right when you're not in an office for for folks to maybe walk by and see that uh, two individuals are engaging in, the, in a conversation, you know, or some gesture has, has occurred, uh, you know, as part of the apology, there's, I think, also the, the team level or the organization level. So what we've seen often is you know, two individuals will engage in, in dialogue and in their preferred mode of communication, but then there's follow-up with the team. And again, that may be a follow-up email that goes out to everyone. It may be a post on workplace. It may just be the next time we're all together, you know, together virtually in a, in a staff meeting on Zoom. Uh, but, you know, the person that uh, said the ouch, uh, you know, has an opportunity to to apologize and to, to share where where they messed up. So again, I think thinking about it both at the individual level, but then also how it affects the broader culture and making sure to circle back with the full team. Yeah, some great thoughts. So how do you normalize that apology making? Like, how do you encourage a team? Because not everybody wants to. And also, you know, apologizing is a skill set most people don't have or have never been taught. So how do you normalize that and create a level of psychological safety especially in that hybrid or virtual environment to allow for that and to encourage that apology to actually happen? So I think it goes back to, to trust. And this is where the relationship building piece is so important. So thinking about opportunities for your team to be interacting and seeing each other as full people. Right, not just what their roles are within the organization. So are they having opportunities to get to know one another? Are they having opportunities to have fun, to celebrate one another? So thinking about ways that that can happen virtually. And again, it doesn't need to be, you know, large, you know, full day retreats, but it could be, you know, again, in a group chat, an opportunity to celebrate someone's success or a blog post sharing a highlight or you know, carving out some time for some virtual staff trivia, but creating an opportunity where those relationships are there, that foundation of trust is there, I think is essential for folks to be comfortable 
apologizing to one another and to be engaging and to even be giving the feedback, right? To know that you messed up, you may not be aware of it. Again, that intent versus impact. So having the foundation of trust in place is essential. Got it. And when it comes to managing um, these conversations and also trying to prioritize connection among folks, I know you mentioned, you know, making time for trivia, for example. Are there any other best practices that you use at Campfire that involve getting folks and team members together in a non-work-related way, even in a virtual space? What does that look like at Campfire, and how do you feel that that impacts the team culture? Great question. And this is, I think, one of the pieces I love most about my job. So when I first uh, took on the role of chief strategy officer, one of the first things we were doing as we were going through a CEO transition uh, was we started something that we call Coffee and Company. And it's it's really just a book group, um, but it's also been a podcast club and uh, a poetry club and, and so many other things in its uh, future iterations of, of how we have played it out. But it's an opportunity for folks on our team to voluntarily come together and to engage in dialogue and to learn together. And again, to grapple with something that may or may not be related to work. Um, So right now we have a group that's going through the 1619 podcast together. Uh, But it's an opportunity, again, to be building relationships with one another in a way that is kind of separate from our roles, right? It's a chance to get outside um, whatever our professional role may be and and to be engaging in dialogue and in a safe space, right? And so it's a chance to, I think, be modeling what it's like to have a hard conversation, right? Like it's not easy to talk about race. It's not easy to talk about personal change. But having this uh, safe space to do so, I think then translates over into so many of our other uh, work practices. Definitely. And on that note, too, there's a lot of data coming out right now that's saying, especially for people of color, um, historically marginalized groups, they are actually less wanting, less willing and wanting to come back to in-person environments because they are more vulnerable to experiencing microaggressions and discrimination and things like that. So in a lot of cases, um, that hybrid remote workplace can also feel very protective of folks. Um, so, but thinking about the importance of connection too, how do we balance protection of folks with folks not falling into this trap of self-isolating, right? Because self-isolating is also not great for mental health, culture, change, resilience. How do we navigate those waters? So it, to me, I think of balance and Part of it is helping folks understand what balance looks like in a remote work setting. So that's the opportunity to put away your computer at the end of the day, to be able to walk away from the space where you're working. But I think it's also the opportunity to be seeing your team as, as full people. So one of the things that we've done in the past two years is no questions asked, separate from uh, folks PTO, you get half a day off within each pay period. So take that time and whether that's, you know, to go for a walk outside, that's to go grocery shopping, that's to, you know, meet a friend for coffee, uh, whatever it may be to be encouraging uh, folks to kind of step away from the screen and step away from, yeah, what may feel like an isolating experience uh, to to be building connection and to kind of experiencing that regulation uh, in other ways. Yeah, no, thank you so much. 
So for Shauna Rosenzweig, I'm Kyra Altman, and we will be right back after... Well, actually, we're not ready for a break just yet. So, Shauna, why don't you expand on what you were mentioning before as far as reducing that sense of isolation? So we talked about a lot of the things that you do at Campfire that are positive. What are some no-nos or some things that you would want to warn other organizations about doing when managing a virtual space? When we come back, we will be talking about this. Enjoy this wonderful commercial, and we'll talk soon. You're listening to I Communicate on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. Hi, we're back. This is Kyra Altman, and I'm interviewing Shauna Rosenzweig from Camp Fire, Chief Strategy Officer. Welcome back, Shauna. And we are going to get started and dive into the no-nos of communication in a virtual or hybrid space at work. So why don't you share with us some of the things that managers or leaders should avoid doing in a virtual space and the impacts of them as well? So this is, I think, a huge a huge question of probably the most challenging part of managing in a remote work setting. And for me, I think it comes down to power of recognizing when you are willing to let go of, of power and defining what things like productivity mean. Um, so, and that can look like, you know, what hours folks need to be online. That can be dress codes. That can be how folks are communicating. You know, does everything need to happen via email or can it happen elsewhere? Um, but really thinking about how you are able to distribute power among your team and give folks flexibility to find a rhythm to remote working that works for them. Definitely. And what do you think a team that has equitably distribu- distributed um, power, what would that look like? What would that sound like, feel like, especially at a campfire space or beyond? Like, how do you know okay. that everyone has yeah. that power distributed equally and fairly? So I, I think we see it through things like feedback, through support, through the ways that we're communicating with one another. So I think about when it comes to my team, I may pick up the phone and call one person, but there's someone else that I'm going to text first. And then there's someone else who I will send an email. And so knowing what folks' preferred communication is and also what their work style is, right? Like there's folks that I know prefer to work right up to a deadline and that's their style and that's okay. And they are going to have more work the evening before a deadline than maybe I'm comfortable with, but that's what works for them. And so, again, I think having the space to be flexible and and intentionally asking and knowing what uh, your team members' preferred work style and, and communication is, is so important so that you have that expectation so that, again, it's that opportunity to avoid sitting there and saying, hey, I'm wondering, like, are they going to get this project done? I haven't seen anything. But, again, if you know their communication style, there's opportunities to check in in a way that feels supportive to your colleague as opposed to kind of checking in on them or checking up on them. Definitely. And I think that that's such a tricky balance to have. And I think it gets even trickier in these hybrid or remote workplace environments. What do you think is the strength that allows you to really um, 
thrive in that way or really promote the things that we're talking about, inclusion within that environment? What are the biggest strengths that you or Campfire offers to your team? It's the opportunity to see each other as full people, right? To recognize Campfire is a part of who we are and what we each do, but it's not the full part of who we are, right? It, it's not us in our entirety. And so, again, I think that's making space to, you know, I start every check-in individually with each member of my team with how are they doing personally? You know, what's going on in their lives? How are their pets? How are their family? How are their friends? Uh, but you're kind of where, where they're at, you know, a, a mental check-in first and relate to one another on a personal level before we transition to, you know, more the to-do list or the professional items that we need to discuss. So I think a lot of it is creating space and then encouraging balance. Again, encouraging folks to take their time off, encouraging folks to put away their computer at the end of the day. Also being clear about the expectations. You know, I may email you in the evening, but I'm not expecting a reply. Or Mm -hmm. I may write out an email, but I'm going to use delayed send so that it doesn't send until the next morning. So being really mindful of how, as a leader, we're also modeling the way. When I take PTO, I should be fully taking PTO, right? What message does it send to my team if I'm still emailing along the way while I'm off? Oh, yeah. No, definitely. And all of what you're saying resonates so deeply for me because at LEAD, we have um, unlimited paid time off for that reason. We have very flexible working hours. We do not. We only schedule emails to go out within those working hours, but we can do the work whenever we want. So we treat people like adults who can manage their time and manage their mental health and will say no when needed. So on that note, when it comes to saying no or setting those boundaries, I know one thing that I've felt over the last few years is just a Zoom fatigue, especially as a trainer when I'm constantly in front of other people. And so I've actually discovered not only the hide self view on Zoom, which keeps your own face from showing even if they can still see you, but I've also begun to just say no to every meeting being a Zoom meeting. Can you speak a little bit to that and to the benefit of bringing back phone calls and bringing back walking meetings and and other forms of communication, even with a remote team, but that's not focused or dependent on Zoom? You raise a great point, right? Zoom is exhausting and it's exhausting to be staring at your own face all day long, you know, stuck in a chair. Uh, And so, yeah, I think it's, for me, it's as simple as when we're setting a meeting saying, hey, how do you want to check in? Do you want to touch base over the phone? Do we want to both go for a walk at the same time? You know, it can be any of those things. Is this something I've even been asking myself, like, does this need to be a meeting? Like, does this need to be a Zoom? And then if not, like, and the Zoom is really helpful when you need that added level of kind of face-to-face personal communication that you can't get otherwise. But also sometimes, right, that's another level of exhaustion. And so saying like, okay, is this something we can just touch base over the phone, as you mentioned? But then I think for me, even backing up one step further and saying, is does this warrant a conversation or can this just be a text message or can mm-hmm. this just be an email? Um, and also I think not overscheduling is the other piece, right? Like sometimes it's just, I it's easier and, you know, it's, keeps the calendar burden off to mm-hmm. say like, hey, let's just touch base for five minutes quick and we're not even going to throw it on the calendar. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I know that's one piece is 
right? Looking at your calendar can feel so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Or finding other ways to communicate in that more casual way, like on Slack or texting or whatever else, but making it not feel as formal and as um, inconvenient as maybe blocking out a new space on your calendar. I think also not over scheduling just because you have the space is also important. So planning to not have plans, right? Like so much of our work is reactive. It's reacting to our inbox. It's reacting to things that happen and supporting our clients and whatever that might look like um, or our partners. And I think that leaving time for that piece of the job is often forgotten about and not normalized in the way that it should be. What are your thoughts on that as well as flexibility around working hours for a remote team? Yes, what you're saying I think is so important because it's in that downtime that the creativity happens, right? That folks really have the opportunity to be thinking creatively and reimagining their role. And I think about our biggest wins have come out of folks having downtime, whether it's downtime individually or downtime together, right? It's just chatting on the phone and one idea sparks another idea. So creating space for that is really important. Um, And I love what you're saying again about not feeling obligated to fill in each and every hour on the calendar. And one thing we've also found is sometimes it's helpful to just block the time, Mm -hmm. you know, and have that hole sit on your calendar and that's protected time. Um, And again, whether it's protected time to be co-working with one of your colleagues, if you're lucky enough to be in the same location, but maybe it's co-working virtually as well. Um, We've also really found success in having kind of scheduled check-ins that follow a certain rhythm. So not over scheduling and meeting too frequently, but recognizing like, okay, there's a meeting around a strategic commitment that maybe can be every other month, but let's have that just follow a, a natural rhythm or does our C-suite meeting need to, you know, if that flows every two weeks, again, that follows a similar pattern. So again, I think there's a helpful piece in just knowing the pattern and the rhythm to which the check-ins will happen. And it gives you an opportunity to say, okay, hey, what I'm working on, the question I have for the team, I can hold it till we meet next week as opposed to like, is this urgent? Mm -hmm. Uh, So it creates an opportunity to be thinking about that as well. To your point around flexibility on schedules, again, I think it's recognizing that some folks work better at different times of the day, right? Everyone's personal rhythm through a day is very different, right? Like I know what I accomplished in, you know, waiting in the pickup line for to pick up my kids from school, right? I know I'm going to need a break in the afternoon. Um, I also know I'm not going to work well at night where I have colleagues that do their best work after 5 p.m. And so again, I think creating space for that and also recognizing you're going to need to be able to do that just with folks across time zones as well, right? We have folks across every time zone in the continental U.S. So that requires some flexibility because some folks will be online earlier than others. Definitely. Thank you so much for all of this, Shauna. And we'll continue talking about time zones and the practicality of managing a remote team when we're back from our break. I'm Kyra Altman. We will be back soon. Enjoy the commercial. Now, I Communicate continues on Full Service Radio, 830 WCRN. Once again, here's your host, Mark Altman. 
I'm Kyra Altman, and I'm back with Shauna Rosenzweig from Campfire Headquarters. Welcome back, Shauna. We were just speaking about transitioning to remote workplaces, which many, many companies have had to deal with as a result of the pandemic. The pandemic has completely uplifted many of our ways of life, our structures, our workplace settings, all of that stuff. So for companies who might be full of people with great intentions who want to create this more inclusive, flexible, psychologically safe workplace that we're talking about here with this open communication, but they have people within their workplaces who have been doing the opposite for multiple decades or who are almost fighting that change or that transition. What are some best practices or tips that you have for companies struggling to get everyone on the same page with these changes? So one of the things that I think is important to keep in mind when it comes to creating change is that you don't need everyone on board in order to create change, right? So there's some amazing research out there that says you only need 30%, right? 30% is enough of a majority, even though it still is a minority, right? 30% is all you need to have kind of some collective power to change. And so when I think about Campfire over the past year, one of the things that I'm most proud of is something I've had nothing to do with. And that is our Just HQ committee, which is a voluntary employee-led group that's really focused on champion, championing that inclusive, equity-driven culture that collectively as an organization we want and seek, right? We recognize we aren't there yet, you know, and, and never will be, right? It will always be a journey. But it's a group of employees that's not a member of the leadership team on it, and that's intentional, uh, that is driving the process, right? And they are focused on developing skills and understanding and fostering the organizational culture we all seek. And that looks like, you know, in our kind of day-to-day lives, every other week we have an hour that is an hour-long meeting facilitated by Just HQ. They determine the topics. They determine what we're going to do, how we're going to engage. And everyone shows up fully, right, including the leadership team. But as a leader in an organization, I think a lot of it is being okay with letting go and really letting your employees drive with their interests and shaping the organization what they want to be. And ultimately, for me, it comes down to wanting to see each person that's on my team thrive, thrive at work, right, and and thrive personally. And so it's really fun to watch each of them grow in different ways and think about how they best contribute, whether they're on the Just HQ committee or not. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what you're saying is so special and so illuminating. And um, one thing I heard a while back was that our body actually can't tell the difference between fear and excitement. And it's the same hormone. It's the same, you know, chemicals in our brain. And so with that said, I think when it comes to this change that we're talking about or letting go as a business owner, as an owner, as a manager, as a founder, somebody within leadership – that letting go piece can feel so scary, but can also be a lot of fun, like you mentioned, right? And can also be really exciting and really empowering for your staff and your team. And there's such an interesting balance there. 
And it's almost one of the situations where we have to accept, you know, this can be scary and fun and exciting and worth it and meaningful and rewarding and all of those things. Um, So just really resonating with all that you're sharing with us today. As far as thinking about keeping this dialogue going within a workplace um, and, and empowering employees when they might say to you, well, you're not paying us extra for the extra time it takes to then go and facilitate these ERG meetings or whatever that might look like. How do you handle that? And is there additional compensation that you would suggest for those sorts of situations? Great question. I am not sure I have a great answer to it because I think this is something that, you know, certainly as a nonprofit, we struggle with all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Wanting to compensate our employees fairly and, but also recognizing, right, like we may be on limited budgets and, you know, the impact of the pandemic has certainly been hard. But one of the things that we've been talking about is looking for other ways beyond compensation Mm. to to be recognizing and supporting our employees. So I love that. that. I love that. And I actually want to focus us there as we um, kind of conclude our thoughts for this final session. So can you share some examples of that? Specifically, how can you celebrate? How can you give those benefits beyond the flexibility of a remote workplace to really show your staff through communication that you value them and that you want them there? So one thing is, I think, celebrating achievements. So if someone on the team gets invited to be on a panel or receives an award, making sure that we're celebrating that as an organization. So are we creating a blog post that they can then share and promote through their own social media networks, right, that will help kind of further their own professional career? It is also as simple as small gestures, right? So everyone wants uh, some organizational swag. So maybe mm-hmm. it's the leadership team pitching in to buy t-shirts for the team. Um, but thinking about, yeah, small small gestures. Uh, and sometimes it's just saying thank you, right? It's just acknowledging that folks are putting in extra effort. Uh, but it also can be clearing space on their plate, right? And saying, hey, I recognize you're spending time, you know, contributing to a positive workplace culture. Let's look at moving something else off your plate, uh, you know, and again, so part of it, I think, is really just keeping a pulse on workloads for folks so mm-hmm. that they're not feeling overwhelmed. And then monitoring progress, right? Having opportunity for feedback loops, pulse checks. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, is this making, um, is this, yeah, is this making a positive impact for you? You know, again, really kind of monitoring the the checks and balances. Ultimately, I I go back to what Adrienne Marie Brown says, right? What we pay attention to grows. Mm. And if we want to focus on workplace culture or effective communication, we have to pay attention to it. Right. No, I think that that makes tons of sense. And I think what you're also sharing is it's really, again, it comes back to those values and centering those values as an organization and as a team and knowing where you're going together. So having that same common end goal in mind. Um, With that said, for companies that are worried that maybe they're giving folks too much flexibility in a remote setting, because I know I've heard that from our own coaching and consulting with companies, we've seen some companies say, well, productivity is lower when people are remote from their perspective, right? Because productivity is all perception. 
but productivity is lowered. And are we giving too much flexibility or are we giving too much mental health support when we're not trying to be mental health professionals? So there's also that side of things. How would you respond to somebody with those concerns or thoughts about that balance that needs to be found? So I think the first thing to ask yourself is who's defining productivity or professionalism, right? Like is it a kind of white-centered or Western-centered definition of productivity? Like is this something that you're holding from, you know, kind of your own systemic experiences? Or is this is this an organizational value? And again, I think having those checkpoints is really helpful and those feedback loops to, to really be monitoring progress, right, in a way that's meaningful so that it's not just how you're perceiving it through your lens sure. um, yeah. as an individual. And for my final question for you, Shauna, and feel free to think about this too, if you had one, one strategy, one communication best practice that you want to leave listeners with today based on everything that we've talked about, what do you think that would be? Or what is your lasting, um, lasting encouragement for folks who are listening at home? So I pose this question of what makes campfire communication effective to our team. And the theme that came out from the feedback that everyone shared with me is about structure and rhythm. Having structure and rhythm to our feedback is what makes it effective at campfire. And it really struck me that structure is liberating. Mm-hmm. Having that structure is giving folks on our team the freedom to feel a part of our organizational culture, to feel that they have something to contribute and that they are valued as an individual, right? And they're able to be productive and flexible in a way that works for them. They're seen as a whole person. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I think that structure speaks to so many of the things we've already talked about today. So making space for people to have that non-work related connection time and for people to um, really use those values and center them in really difficult conversations, especially in a remote setting. And I think also just the empathy that, you know, remote feels and looks different for everyone. So, Shauna, thank you so much for sharing all of this great wisdom with us today. I want to give you a moment to share how folks listening can help support Campfire and your work. Yes, we would love to connect. Uh, Please check out campfire.org to learn more about our organization and to reach out to us. And thank you so much for listening to iCommunicate. Reach out to info at mindsetgo.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.